Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Welcome back to Black Letter. And today with us, we've got Daniel Davis. He's an attorney with Dunlap, Bennett, and Ludwig here to talk about CCPA and CalOPA, some uh, fantastically interesting regulations, uh, some fun acronyms. Daniel, why don't you tell us, what is CCPA? What does that stand for? Yeah, CCPA is the California Consumer Privacy Act. Um, It's a brand new piece of legislation that was enacted this year. It doesn't go into effect yet, but it makes some pretty massive changes to uh, California internet laws. Okay. And what is CalOPA? Um, CalOPA is a bit older law. It was, it was, it's been around since 2003. Um, and that was a law that basically required um, for-profit businesses in California to post a privacy policy on their website, which at the time was pretty revolutionary. Okay. But nowadays, it seems like everybody's got a privacy policy or a term. You know, I, I'll ask this. Daniel, so sometimes I go to a website and I scroll to the very bottom, probably just because I'm a lawyer and this is my problem, but I see no privacy policy and no terms of use link. Uh, what does that mean? I, you know, if the business is based in you know, Texas or England, I mean, do they still need to comply with these statutes? And, and you know, what's wrong with these people without the, this privacy policy? Yeah, probably they're out of compliance. Um, which is kind of, at first glance sounds a little odd because they're not a California business. So why do they need to comply with California? Right. But I mean, California is the fifth largest economy in the world. Most businesses are going to be soliciting customers in California. And by doing that, they're going to be in most cases required to comply with these California laws. Okay. So how, and Daniel, you're a California attorney. So I know you obviously love the size of California and how awesome it is. Totally get that. Uh, but how hard is it to comply with these laws? What are, what are the basic requirements of CCPA and CalOPA? So CalOPA is pretty straightforward. Um, CalOPA basically requires a business to post a privacy policy that's clear, easy to understand, that tells customers what information the business is collecting. Um, and if okay. the business gives a customer a right to change or view their data, um, they need to be disclose that. They also need to disclose how they respond to do not track signals from the, the customer's browser. That's pretty easy. CCPA okay. is an entirely different animal. And depending on how much information the company collects, what type of information, how they share it, it could be a massive, um, a massive pain to comply with and could require a pretty significant restructuring of how the company takes in data and then what they do with it afterwards. Okay. So tell me, what's the difference pre-CCPA? Were there any requirements in the United States for how you took in data and what you did with the data? 
I'm not an expert on all of those, but you have you have a lot of federal regulations, um, especially binding on healthcare um, and banking industries. Um, okay. I'm not aware of any across the board um, general regulations, and that's that's probably one of the biggest differences with CCPA is. Um, it doesn't matter what type of industry you're in. You could, you could be, um, a grocery store. You could be, uh, an internet email provider. Um, if you meet the basic threshold requirements of CCPA, everybody has to comply. Okay. So that's interesting. So what, so what are the basic threshold requirements? That's really important to kind of kick it off. Like if who uh, I, I get, if I have a website, and it reaches California, which pretty much every website on earth does, um, I have to comply with CCPA. Is that is there something beyond that? Yes. Yeah, so in general, it's it applies to larger for-profit businesses. So most small businesses, most nonprofits will not be required to comply. Okay. To be more specific, um, if you're a for-profit mm-hmm. business and you meet one of these three threshold requirements, CCPA applies to you. Um, if you have annual gross revenues of, I believe, $25 million a year, um, or if you're okay. collecting data from um, 50,000 California residents or devices, which could be significant per year, or if um, selling, um, selling customers' personal information um, is a significant part of what you do. If you get more than 50% excuse me, 50% or more of your annual revenues from selling customers PI, our personal information. Okay. CPA applies to you. Gotcha. So the short of it is, if I'm a nonprofit, but I, 100,000 California people, uh, I collect data from them for my nonprofit database, I have to comply. If I'm a grocery store based in England and my website reaches California and I have 25 million pounds of revenue a year, I have to comply. Um, and if, and then the last, is that right? Or I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> I don't know the, I don't know the exchange rate on the pound of the dollar off the top of my head, but, um, if, yeah, if you're, it's about one, one fifteen, although it's crashing mightily during this Brexit time. So we'll see if we, hopefully we'll get to one to one before I go there for my next trip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hopefully for my, my vacationing needs. Um, but yeah, so, so assume it's, it's roughly, you know, a pound is worth about a dollar twenty. Yeah, maybe a dollar thirty. That that right away so, you'd be required to comply. Um, so my English grocery store is is has to comply. Now the nonprofit, if I'm collecting data from a hundred thousand, uh, say it's only thirty thousand people, but I'm collecting it from both their iPhone on the App Store and then from a PC based login. Uh, so if I average it out, I'm getting close to sixty thousand devices I'm collecting from, even if I only make a million dollars a year exactly. or no money that's, a year. That's the significance of that distinction. Yeah. So that counts. So I have to comply. Um, and then what about, so the, th- the third example you gave of who has to comply was, uh, remind me what that third one was. What was the third compliance group there? Yeah. That's if the company derives 50% or more of its revenue from selling. Selling data. Okay. Yeah. So any, anybody like um, a sales metrics company or uh, even if the sales metrics company makes $50 a year, if $26 of that comes from selling that data to somebody else, they have to comply with CCPA. Crazy, right? right? 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's so pretty much every so let's so we step aside for a second. Who cares if you're in California or not? If you have a website, you're in California for purposes of having to deal with it. it really, it's just do you meet one of those three thresholds? That's the big thing. Um, now, uh, so what is your advice? And well, actually, let's talk about this. What do you have to do to comply? I mean, do we need to hire a lawyer? Do we need you to do this for us? Um, what What are the hard parts of CCPA that's different from kind of a normal website compliance regime? What would you say? The, I think the the bottom line thing that people need to understand about CCPA is that it's a really radical shift in thinking about customers' data. It's a shift to thinking that the customer owns their data even after they've given it to your company. They still have gotcha. rights over that data. They have the right to request to see it. Um, they have a re- right to request corrections, and it, with exceptions, of course, but generally they have a right to see it and even re- right to request to delete it. Um, and that's a pretty big shift in the law. So how does it, how does CCPA line up with um, GDPR? And by the way, do you, are you familiar with GDPR? Yeah. So GDPR, for people who haven't heard, is the, um, the European Union um, regulation. Um, the, there are some technical differences um, between the laws, um, but overall, I'd say the CCPA and the GDPR are pretty similar. Um, they both share that kind of okay. idea that customers own their data and companies can get big fines if they don't um, disclose up front what they're doing and give customers access to access to their information. Gotcha. So what's your advice for a company that might find itself? And I think it's important too, that they look at GDPR to see if they need to comply with that. If their website reaches Europe, I know that there are some thresholds there as well. Um, do you happen to know those thresholds offhand? Yeah. So the scope of the GDPR um, is a lot broader than the scope of the CCPA. The GDPR applies generally to any organization that's located in the European Union or the UK or an organization outside the UK or the EU. A lot of US companies included that collect data from people in the EU or the UK. Um, if they're, if the data that those, let's say a U.S. company is collecting about people in Germany, for example, is related to either offering goods or services to those individuals or monitoring their behavior. In other words, pretty much every company that collects data from people in Europe is, is going to be affected. There's a narrow exception for companies that have fewer than 250 employees, but it's very narrow. Um, it, you obviously want to consult a lawyer for your specific situation, but by and large, if, you, if you're a company that's collecting data from people who are located in the EU or the UK, there's a very good chance that you're required to comply with the GDPR. What, what is your advice to somebody, and I know you're not a European lawyer, California lawyer, but when it comes to complying with uh, CCPA, uh, and I'm a company and say, for example, I'm now worried about complying. What do I have to do? What are, what's your advice there? Right. Well, I first off, obviously figure out if CCPA applies to you. Do you meet one of those three thresholds? If it does, um, the next thing to do would be um, map your data. Um, figure out okay. all of the different places your company is collecting customer data. Um, you know, 
and and don't just think about you know mail you receive emails you receive order forms um, think about your website you know do you use an analytics software do you sell ads on your website gotcha so if i sell ads or use analytics software i'm probably falling into that uh you know if i use google analytics i might be i'm falling into that because i am analyzing the source of my customers and things like that does that make me I'm collecting data on my customers right right that that could easily trigger the ccpa threshold and also think about the flow of information out you know are you selling any of this data um are you sharing it with any um uh, any other businesses those could also gotcha. affect your your compliance requirements in terms of actually drafting a i mean i assume ccpa is more than just drafting a different terms of use and privacy policy uh, but that's a part of it. But what 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 measures do I have to take structurally with my company for CCPA? Right. So maybe the easiest way to explain this is to just talk about the rights that the CCPA gives to the customers, because the duties sure. the company has are tied really closely to the customer's rights. So the customer has a right, first of all, to have their information deleted. Um, there are exceptions to that, of course. Like if you need to retain the information for legal purposes, but um, the general right is that if the customer submits a verified request, um, they have the right to, to have the company delete their information. So there's a question right there. Once you've mapped your data, do you have a way to delete the information? Do you have a way to verify requests um, for deletion? Do you have a way to receive requests? I would think you need to be able to tell the customer how to request that deletion, I assume, in your terms. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to have, you know, a person in your office or maybe you hire a, a contractor to do it for you, but someone who's, whose responsibility is to respond to these requests and disclose it to customers. So when a customer goes to your website and they scroll down to that privacy policy, there better be some information there that tells them what their rights are under CCPA and how they can go about exercising those rights, how they can request information. Um, uh, which that kind of, that, dovetails in nicely to the next right they have, which is the, the right to access their information. Um, if the customer does submit a request, um, the business okay. disclose the categories of information they've collected, sources, where they've collected it, um, the purpose behind collecting the data, the types of third parties they may have shared that data with. This is why the mapping is so important. Um, so you can answer the gotcha. And then one of the most controversial pieces of the CCPA and the one that's caused a lot of concern among businesses is CCPA does require disclosing the specific pieces of personal information collected, you've collected about that consumer if you get a verified request. So if you've collected their address, you need to give them their address back. Um, if you've collected um, uh, information about uh, their their device locations, um, you need to disclose that back to the customer for the, for the 12 months prior to that request. Okay. What's the exception? Yeah. So, um, uh, um, a lot of companies like Apple, Apple maps, for example, they de-identify their data. Um, de-identification means they may collect some personal information like location, but they store it in such a way that there's no way of tracking it back to the individual consumer. 
um, if you do that, if you have... Oh, so that exempts you. Exactly. Ah. So that's one okay. of the things a company may do when they're mapping out their data is if they're trying to kind of lighten their load when complying with the CCPA, they might ask, you know, do we really need to have all of this data linked directly to an individual customer in a way that can identify them? Is there a way we can de-identify it and take it out from under the CCPA? Gotcha. Excellent. Well, anything else, Daniel, you'd like to add about Cal OPA or CCPA that we didn't cover today that people should know or think about? Um, I guess a, a big one would be if you're selling data, make sure that you have um, something in your privacy policy that uh, customers can click on that says, do not sell my personal information. That's a specific requirement. Okay. Good to know. And if you have situations like that, where you're collecting data from minors, you definitely want to talk to an attorney um, and, and really for all of these issues. Um, but minors, especially because there's different rules in different states, California, Europe, and so on about minors. That's a, that's a particularly uh, tricky issue. Gotcha. I know that there's also COPPA, the Child Online uh, Privacy Protection Act is another thing that if you're collecting data from minors under 13, you have to comply with as well. Is that, that I guess, must tie in with CCPA. Is that right? There's a little bit of overlap there. Um, uh, CCPA, was, uh, CCPA requirements for minors are focused around getting consent before you collect their data. Um, if you're collecting data from minors 13 to 16, you need express consent from the minor. Under 13, you can't collect it at all without their parents' consent. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, Daniel. Appreciate your time today. Uh, it was really informative. And I know that if anybody anywhere needs help with CCPA or Cal OPA, that uh, hopefully they will uh, talk to a lawyer like you before they pop their website up on the internet and get fined. Uh, do you know what? And I, I know the fines can be pretty hefty. So they can, yes. Um, thankfully, as of right now, um, CCPA does include um, the grace period. So if you get a notice from the California Attorney General, you have 30 days as of right now. Try and correct that. Although um, there was an effort almost immediately after CCPA was passed to try and delete that provision. So stay posted. There's there's already a move wow. in California to take away the grace period. Wow, that's uh, that's sort of scary. I guess that's a plaintiff's lawyer's movement, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and also, there's a that grace period. I should know only applies to unintended violations of CCPA. So if they gotcha. can put on notice, um, they can get fined up to $7,500 per violation. And if you're a company that has a database of 300,000 customers, that adds up really quickly. Yeah, no, for sure. I know uh, COPPA per violation, the fine is $42,000. So uh, add that to a CCPA violation along with a federal violation for collecting data for minors under 13 and well, you could be looking at uh, over $50,000 per violation. So something to certainly stay in touch with and think about. Daniel Davis, thank you for joining us on the Black Letter Podcast today. It was super informative. Um, California law is complex. It pretty much applies to anybody with a website. Uh, so they need to look at whether or not they fall into one of those three categories that we talked about. Just summary, uh, takeaways. The three categories are uh, over 25 million in revenue or collecting data from more than 50,000 devices in California, which is a pretty easy one to hit, or more than 50% of your revenue comes from selling the data. So if you fall in one of those categories, you've got to comply. 
Uh, second takeaway today is that the fines can be big, up to $7,500 per violation. And then the third takeaway I have is that there's a combination and overlap with some federal regulations, including uh, COPPA and a European Union regulation, GDPR, and that it pays to talk to a lawyer about all this stuff. So thanks again, Daniel, and we'll talk to you soon, and we'll see you next time on Black Letter. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com. 